is Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe in, believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thanks, Claire. Amazing. And uh, I think it's amazing what Rob just shared as well, um, because I wasn't there at that prayer meeting, but it ties in incredibly with what we're just about to look at, Rob. So uh, that's an amazing picture that God gave you. Um, are you, how do you feel, about, do you buy stuff and then you get offered optional extras? Have you ever done that? Um, when I, I've got a, an insurance broker that rings me up when it's time for my insurance to be renewed and they'll offer me uh, insurance policy, but then always there's some extras on top if I want to take them, like, you know, um, legal protection or if it's for my car, breakdown cover and all that sort of thing. And uh, I always, I think about it, but I always try and say, you know, I just want the basics. I just want what's essential. I don't really need the optional extras. There are optional. There are extras on top. Well, I think a lot of people have that kind of attitude towards the church. They see church, they say, oh, I have a faith, but church is surely an optional extra. We've been thinking about how we believe in God, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And yet, do we say we believe in the church? That just sounds weird, doesn't it? For a lot of people, their experience of church is disappointing or boring. Or they might just think this has no relevance to me, but I do have faith. I've lost count of the amount of people I've spoken to who said, oh, I don't go to church, but I do believe. During COVID, we shut the doors, didn't we, of this church? And yet what happened? Church carried on. Church went online. You're the church. We're the church. And so do I believe in you? Yes, I do. <laughs> Because I can see you, right? I believe in God, I can't see him, but I believe in you. In fact, during COVID, I thought, you know what? All the more do I believe in church. I really do believe 
in church. But it isn't a very popular thing these days. Church attendance is down. Now, what do you think of when you think about church? Chances are, one of the first things we say is, well, we think of the building. Where's your church? Right, it's on Lower Green Road, Romford Road on the corner. Is that where our church is? Well, it's where the building is. But where is church, really? Well, church is where we are. And during lockdown, we met online midweek. We met online on Sundays. And God was there. I believe in church because it's God's idea. And God's idea is described in this incredible passage. And my prayer is that it'll give us a fresh vision for what it means to be church. In Jesus' day, they had a building, an incredibly impressive building. We'll see a picture of it on the screen. They had a temple in Jerusalem. And if you wanted to worship God, that was where you went. You went to the temple. And you take your sacrifices and you give them to the priest and the priest would make sacrifices on your behalf. Animals, crops. And the sacrifices were to make you acceptable to God. And the priest had a very specific job in the temple. It was very, very um, rigorous. The clothing, the washing the exact instructions of what they were to do as they offered sacrifices on the altar to God in the temple. You could come and you could go so far, but you couldn't go all the way in. The priests would do that for you. This was where God met people. This was the place of his presence. This was God's house. No wonder Jesus is so angry when people are turning it into a marketplace. God encountered people with his holy presence in that place. And right at the heart of the temple was the most holy place. The holy of holies. And once a year the high priest would go into the holy of holies. And, and, and would be, you know... <laughs> set aside for this specific time. Not anybody could do this. You had to be part of the tribe of Levi, the Levites. Only one out of the 12 tribes of Israel. You had to be a man. There's no way you could be a woman. You couldn't be a child. You had to be set apart for that specific task, given the training, and so on. And you gave yourself to it. And they went to Jerusalem, and they saw this temple, and they were wowed by it. It was amazing. It was so impressive. And that was the place where God met his people. And then Jesus came. And then he died on the cross. And as Jesus was dying on the cross, the curtain in the temple that divided the presence of God, the most holy place, from the rest of the temple, the curtain that was there to protect people, that curtain was torn in two. Somehow it happened as Jesus was dying on the cross. Because what was happening spiritually was a revolution because God was tearing down the barrier between his presence and the people. 
a revolution took place and it started that day <clears throat> and then we saw it f- fulfilled, if you like, on the day of Pentecost when God's presence became very real <clears throat> to all the people. God's spirit poured out on all the people. And then what happened? There was no longer any need for that temple. Because what happened? Who became the temple? What became the temple? The people did. Peter writes this letter to the church. But they're not all in one place. They're scattered. They're scattered. At the start of the letter it says they're scattered out of the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. They're scattered all over the place, these people. And they would have met in all sorts of venues, people's homes. Uh, <clears throat> they were growing. They were, just, they were in the Roman Empire, but they weren't official or anything like that. They were being persecuted and all the rest of it. And yet Peter says, you are the place of God's presence. And rather than having a really impressive building, what you had was stones that made this house where God would... And I I hadn't really thought about how I'm going to do this. Um, (laughs) You had stones being built up. And these stones would make a house where God... Hang on, let's just... I've got to work on this. Where God would encounter his people. And these stones are described as living stones. Living stones. Not stones like bricks, but living stones. And what do these stones represent? People. You and me. Us. Now, and there's a roof. (laughs) Right? And this building has, yes, way. It has a cornerstone. I'm going to put this at the back. A cornerstone. You know, you see sometimes in buildings like a foundational stone. Actually, our house on the side of it, the manse, it has a stone. It's not in the corner at the bottom, but it's like dedicated to the glory of God. And there are stones here and there are plaques here. Well, this is a cornerstone. And it became like the foundational stone. And this is described in this passage as the living stone. Now, who is this stone? This is Jesus. And we become living stones by being connected to him. And that is the temple today. You are the temple today. In our individualistic society, we, we often say, well, if you want to go to church, that's fine for you. I'll do my own thing, thanks very much. But then what happens is you say, well, I'm just going to be over here as a little stone on my own. Good luck to you. If you're part of this, you're part of something much, much more impressive, much better, and that is alive. Just have that picture up a second again, please, Tracy. Uh, they'd walk into Jerusalem, and at one point, in fact, the disciples say, oh, look at this building, isn't it amazing, isn't it impressive? And if you walked into Jerusalem for the first time, you'd look up at this building. It'd be amazing. But as, you know when you're looking up, and you're looking up at a building, and if, I, if I'm not careful, I'm going to fall off the stage when I look up. 
Let's imagine there was something on the floor. And I'm just looking up and say, wow, look at that building, that's incredible. And I stumble over that thing that's on the floor. Because I'm so impressed with what my physical eyes are seeing. <clears throat> that stumbling stone is what Jesus is to so many. They're so busy looking at what they can see with their naked eyes that looks really impressive that they stumble over Jesus. Jesus trips them up. Jesus gets in the way. And Jesus becomes a stone that a lot of people then reject. They don't want to know. But actually Jesus is the chosen stone. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The stone that the builders have rejected, a stone that causes people to stumble. This has become the capstone. This has become the main stone. And as you come to him, this living stone, you are being built up. Sometimes we say, what's the vision for this church? And what's the strategy to make that vision happen? Well, I want to tell you a vision for this church. It's to be like this. It's to be a, a living building for the, ple- for the presence of God. It's to be the place where people can come and meet with Jesus. That's it. And as we come together... God will build us up. As you come to him, the living stone, so you, like living stones, are being built. God is the builder, and if we just come to Jesus and come together to Jesus, God's got an incredible skill of placing the right stones in the right places so that they just fit. When we try and build our own building, We just don't see as God sees. We don't have his perspective. But if we let God build his house, if we trust God to do it, it's amazing what can happen. So that's the vision. I'm sorry if that's boring, but it's what's in the Bible. (laughs) To be a spiritual house for the presence of God. To be a place where people can come and meet with Jesus. To be a place where we come to meet with Jesus. Do you know, if God says, change the way you do your services, let's do it. Why? Because I want to meet with Jesus. If God says, do this, don't do that, let's do it. God says, go and meet on the, pavi- at the pavilion on the, on the field, let's do it. Because what we want to do, we want to be a place of God's presence, a place where God meets with us. Now, how does that happen? What role do we play in that. Well, the first thing is we've got to come to Jesus ourselves. Do you want to meet with Jesus today? Do you want to come to him? I do. Do you want to encounter the living God today? And then the second thing is we've got to realize who we are. Peter describes the church as a holy priesthood. A royal priesthood. Now no longer is it just the Levites, the men, the particular ones who got the specific training. No longer is it those who studied alone. It's who is the priests? Who are the priests? Everybody. You're a holy priesthood. And what that means is you don't need 
somebody up the front. You do need someone up the front, please. <laughs> but you don't, you don't need someone at the front to come up to God, do you? You can come to God yourselves just as you are. You don't need someone to offer sacrifices on your behalf because God is calling you to offer yourself as a sacrifice. So that's what the priests did. They offer sacrifices, right? We don't need to sacrifice animals. We don't need to sacrifice crops anymore and all that rest of it. But we're to offer our lives as spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So are you willing to give up your life as a sacrifice to Jesus? No way. No way. Because that's who God is calling us to be. That's the challenging bit, right? You can come and meet with Jesus, but God is calling us to give ourselves up to him as a sacrifice. Hard to get that idea of sacrifice. You know, it's a foreign idea to us, but we're called to give up our lives as a spiritual sacrifice. Now, what does the word spiritual mean in that sense? It doesn't just mean airy-fairy and all the rest of it. I believe because of the context of talking about the presence of God, talking about the Holy Spirit, it means a spirit-led sacrifice. It means a spirit-filled sacrifice. The Holy Spirit will be prompting you and I to do different things and give up our lives to God in different ways. And it won't just be an airy-fairy thing. It will be actually something very practical. It could be baking cakes. It could be giving money. It could be devoting your time. It could be just... But let's not set limits on it. God is looking for people who will consecrate themselves to him. The priests gave their whole lives consecrated to the presence of God, given over to him. That's what they did. That's who they were. And God is saying, you, all of you, are my holy priesthood. Wow. What an incredible picture of church. So yeah, we could go and meet on the, on the wreck. We'd still be the chosen people, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, once you weren't a people, but now you're a people. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Are you better than anybody else? No, you've just received mercy. That's all it is. And we don't make our sacrifices to impress God or to say, God, I, I, I hope you like me. We make our sacrifices as a response to God's goodness to us. As a way to say, I love you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for all that you've done for me. It is challenging, but that's who we are. And that is church. We believe in the church. We believe in one church. We're no better than any other church. We're part of a one universal church. Did you trip over the word Catholic in the creed? You thought, I'm not Catholic. We're not Catholic in the sense of Roman Catholic. Many people are. But we're Catholic with a small c. It just means universal. We're part of the universal church. We belong together. And God meets his people there. Now you might say that my experience hasn't always been like that of church. Sometimes it's really boring. Don't tell me if it is. Just smile and pretend. That was a really lovely sermon. Thanks so much. <laughs> I prefer to live in illusion. That's fine. Now, sometimes it's boring, sometimes it's irrelevant, sometimes you think, oh, come on. And sometimes it's not a great atmosphere. But that's because we kind of mess it up sometimes. We have our eyes on the wrong thing. We're looking up there and actually we get tripped up over Jesus. Because we've got our eyes on the wrong thing. We've got our eyes on the counterfeit church. 
I believe a lot of people have actually encountered counterfeit church. It's not really the place of God's presence. It's us making it what we want it to be. Let's be like priests. Let's sacrifice ourselves. Let's surrender ourselves to God. So I'd like to invite you to stand. If you're able. Father, we want to commit ourselves to you. We are your church. We belong to you, a chosen people. We want to bless you and thank you for your grace. Because all of this is grace. All of this is unmerited favor. All of this is your mercy. And we praise you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is your church. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you are here. That you are speaking to your people. I want to thank you for the gifts that you give us. But we lay these down as a spiritual sacrifice to you. We lay down our lives as a spiritual sacrifice to you. As a way just to say thank you. As a way to worship you. So come Holy Spirit. Meet with your people right now. I want, I want to just pray right now. You'd be igniting fire in our hearts. We set ourselves aside for you. I want to pray you'd be um, fanning into flame gifts that are within us. We might better serve you. I want to pray right now you'd be inspiring hearts and minds with, with vision, with prophecy, with words of knowledge, with pictures.